Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Durhaj. everyone thanks again for tuning in uh this week i have a colleague uh talisa beasley beasley sorry did i say that wrong beasley uh joining us today hi talisa how are you good morning or good afternoon how are you good good how's how's everything in atlanta warm thank god warm, Is it warm? <laughs> yes <laughs> we're just getting snippets of it here in in, in niagara and um, I'm just, we've been getting lots of rain, which has not been good. So I'm going to read a little bit about Talisa's background and, um, and then we're going to just jump right into things. So Talisa is a leading expert in helping women shift from weak to winning by helping them to leverage their talents so that they can increase their impact, influence, and income. Uh, Talisa's painful yet powerful journey has helped her to defy the odds by mastering her God-given talents that have catapulted her from being an unemployed teenager, teenage mom, to a multiple business owner. Uh, it is with this passion and skill set that she helps women identify and incorporate the needed solution that needs results. Uh, she's an, an author, um, a women's leadership coach and speaker, a radio personality, and Talisa seeks to help others become the champions of their life Becoming unstuck, balanced, and empowered. Wow, that sounds amazing. So, Talisa, thanks for joining us today. Um, and um, I didn't know a bit about your background. Um, you know that you were, you know, a teenage mom. Talisa and I are colleagues, uh, speaking uh, colleagues, and um, we met. A, a, oh goodness, about uh, about almost six to eight months ago now. Tell me about. What brought you to want to help women um, kind of find that inner pebble and strength within themselves? Well, again, thank you for having me on your show today. Um, I really admire what you do um, with resilience and helping people to recognize the importance of it. Um, it, it was actually kindred spirits that we met um, because we actually both work with uh, people doing um, therapy and um, also doing speaking and training. Um, so it was very good to be able to be matched with you. Um, but pretty much my own story, you know, from being a teenage mom, I was, I got pregnant in the last year of high school. And it was during the, what I call the babies having babies season, uh, where there was teenage pregnancy at its height. Um, so we were ridiculed and labeled and all sorts of things. And I was often told that my life was over and it was nothing I could do about it. And I would just be home with my mom for the rest of my life. And my son would be in and out of jail throughout his life. And that would be it. Um, but I have very strong, strong family background, um, specifically my mother, who literally hemmed me up in the corner <laughs> and told me, you will not be, and you will go to school, and you will be great. And it was for that foundation that helped me to um, catapult into the life that I'm in now, you know, she helped me get through school, uh, helped 
you know, raising the child. Um, unfortunately, my son's father chose not to be part of his life. So I literally had to do it by myself with the help of my family. And they have been tremendous and helped me to recognize that you can really do anything. So the topic of resilience that you speak from is what I have lived. So what were some of those core values that, you know, your mom and your family instilled in you? Because you're, how old are you at that point? Are you like eight, 17, 18 years old? 18. I was 18 years old, extremely impressionable and, you know, afraid of literally what could possibly happen. So some of the core values was, you know, that we are resilient as women. Um, we have that, that gene that runs through us that helps us to, you know, take care of the children, be studying for finals, uh, go to work, make sure the house is clean, um, get to bed and look good doing it. You know, so. Uh, and, you always, and you always look good. <laughs> you always look good. You look good doing it, you know. So, um, you know, just really taking that to the next level and really helping women to recognize it in all the uh, people that I've come across, people I work with intimately, um, clients that I have. Um, that area is usually lacking. They don't feel as though they can, and um, they struggle with, um, performance and moving forward. So I made it a goal of mine to help other people not to have to experience what I went through. Um, thank goodness teenage pregnancy has dropped tremendously since that time. Um, but there are other challenges that come into play um, that tell us that we can't do it. So helping people to get to where they want to get to in life and be champions of life is a goal of mine. So you had some messages that I were you know, obviously quite powerful, right? As a young woman, um, like you said, you know, people kind of stereotypical, you know, um, teenager, teenage pregnancy, child at 17 to 18 years old, kind of, you know, how your life path was going to be defined. And of course, your mother had no part of that, thank God. And she kind of created that anchor that allowed you to find that space that ultimately was in you to be able to do that. When you work with women today, um, and, and I know, you know, you work with women um, to help them find that inner uh, strength within themselves, but you work a lot also with women and diversity. So I want to talk more about that. So what are some of the core things that you find women come forward today uh, to, to discuss with you uh, when, they're, when they're coaching or training or um, you're speaking on behalf of their organizations? What are some of the core things that they come forward with? The number one thing that we focus on is identifying the, the talents that you have, the gifts that you have, so to speak, depending on who's speaking. Um, but I notice a lot of uh, people, specifically within our society, are focused on other people and what they're doing versus what you have to bring to the table. Um, and that's actually a quote of mine, you know, have to be able to bring your talents to the table. Because once you do, then you're able to utilize those to help and do the things that you are, you know, um, doing within a job or within a business, however you want to do it. Um, but again, our society, unfortunately, focuses on what other people have. And what I find is that we often are trying to mimic what other people have instead of looking at what it is that you had. Um, I also suffered with that as well because I was trying to grasp the straws to figure out how to move forward um, with a toddler, um, I'm an only child, so it wasn't like I could take this child to other people. I literally had to raise them by myself. And you didn't have a lot of places to go. So 
you're trying to figure out, okay, what do I need to do? And I often try to mimic other people. But I started recognizing that it was what I had. And people were telling me, you're gifted. You can do X, Y, and Z. So that's what I try to help women is identify their gifts, number one, and then how to be able to help them utilize them to catapult them into the area they want to be in. Is that conversational where you actually try to kind of drill down with them in conversation about their strengths or are you actually doing some, a more of a formal assessment with them to really help them kind of, you know, like their strengths indicators or those types of things? How do you approach it? We actually do. We do a number of things. We do um, assessments. We also do um, an assessment of life, so to speak, um, because, again, the different trials and, and tribulations you've gone through in your life um, produce those skill sets that you never thought you would need to utilize. Um, so we actually do formal assessments, um, but we also find out, you know, the areas that they have their strengths in um, so that they can master that. Because again, working in an area that you're not comfortable in, you're probably not going to be really successful in it. Um, but we do do that and we do examine, you know, how they've been able to get through various challenges in life. And then we focus on how to be able to market that talent. And, you know, it's so, it's interesting. I just recently did an assessment um, uh, myself and something I always knew and my, my friends and my people close to me will say, oh yeah, we know that about you. I'm very good, big picture, um, you know, always have these big goals and probably do too many things at once. But when it comes to the microscopic details, it always was something that I struggled with. You know, I, I could get it done. Talisa, but, it, you know, even today, when I have to do that microscopic things, I really have to get myself into that mode. I can do it well, but it takes me t taking special energy. So the worst thing I can do is to kind of leave it till the end of my day, let's say. Let's say I have a lot of things to do that are microscopic, and I think, oh, oh I'll leave it till, like, you know, end of day, 3.30-ish. I don't get to it, right? Because at that point, I'm tired. Then I get frustrated. <laughs> then I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll get to it again tomorrow. So, you know, when I kind of looked at that assessment that I did, um, it's an assessment, it's called the Harrison assessment. What it really showed me was that, you know, you're good enough at this. You can be proficient, but it's not one of your strengths. But it doesn't mean that you can't increase that and learn about yourself in order to maximize the time. So I could imagine what the value is uh, for the women that you work with that are able to kind of see that. With me, I know how valuable that's been. Absolutely. And again, it's it's more or less becoming aware of it to know exactly what you have. And I love what you said, which is if you're not, if that's not a strength of yours, we can work on that area and improve it. It doesn't mean that, oh, I, you know, I'm totally out. Um, I, I tell this story all the time. Um, in school, growing up, I had a horrible time with keeping my mouth closed. <laughs> and my mother would say to me, <clears throat> excuse me, she said to me between nine and three, because that's when school was, it started at nine, it ended at three. She said between nine and three belongs to me. Anything after that, you can run your mouth all day long, but between those times, they belong to me. So every report card I had said she's a good student, but she can't seem to keep her mouth closed. <laughs> and my mother said, well, when you find a job, um, where you that will pay you to run your mouth and you can do that so of course now we've identified that and I said to her ta-da we've done it we found a job that allows me to run my mouth you know she said what's well, funny you remember that 
But I was ridiculed. I was talked about. I was, you know, she can't keep her mouth closed, you know, things of that nature. So it tends to create a negative label for yourself. But it actually was a skill set, and I didn't know. Um, so helping women to identify what they have is, is key. Um, because once you're able to do that, then now they can operate from a point of strength versus operating from a place of lack. You know, it's so, it's so interesting that you say that. I got to tell you, you and I have so many parallels. So when I was small, they called me Chatterbox. That was my nickname. And I was always chattering, right? Like in talking. And I remember explicitly. So I went, I was born in Trinidad. I went to a British school system, was very strict. And I was in standard five. So I must have about, been about 12 years old. And because I'm a social butterfly. I remember um, be, get, I got the ruler. I got hit with the ruler for the first time in my life by a teacher that I loved profoundly because I was talking too much in class. And, you know, what did that teach me? It was like, okay, keep your mouth quiet if you want to excel, and which is the opposite of what, you know, when I look at my skills and the things that I'm supposed to be doing, which is speaking and coaching and training, it's, you know, a little girl like me at 12 years old that may not have gotten the guidance would have learned to stay quiet and not be able to talk. And I remember, you know, it gave me such um, a discomfort within myself to be able to continue doing what I did because I thought talking was not right. Um, but luckily, you know, that didn't last too long. Um, and it really kind of puts, you know, a difficulty between myself and my teacher who I loved as you know, because he had to follow the rules, which meant you're not fitting in. So you have to, he had to sh make an example of me in front of the class. So it's, it, I'm sure, I wonder how many people can, can relate to what you're saying about your nine to three and my, you know, being told to be quiet by, by way of um, some of this uh, punishment. So you, in, when you speak, and I know you work a lot with diversity and with women, can you tell, can you tell us a little bit more about that? So um, many statistics show right now that um, women are the top um, group that are graduating from college. They're graduating in enormous amounts. Um, but when it comes to getting back into the business world, we're not seeing that displayed as far as them getting to um, C-suite positions or executive positions. Um, so if they're moving to a certain point, they're actually what we would call bottlenecking. Um, they're getting to a certain point, kind of stopping. Old way of saying it was you had the um, glass ceiling um, and trying to break the glass ceiling and get beyond it. Um, so it's, it's pretty much, it's a twofold thing. It's one, the, in, the environment or our, or our atmosphere right now is kind of not recognizing that they are a high group amount of people who are graduating from college and have the skill sets that they need, mainly because they go by tradition. So we're going to do it the way we did it before. Men were in those positions. Women we know are working, but we're not necessarily recognizing them getting to the hierarchy positions. Um, and the second part is, of course, women feeling that, you know, not being accepted. So they're going after trying to be accepted and they're going to a certain point. And now, 2019, <clears throat> some women are deciding, okay, I've had enough and I'm just leaving the business world totally altogether and going to go start businesses. So again, it's twofold. It's, it's the side of how we feel about it, being treated this way for so many years, and at the same time, 
um, creating an atmosphere that is accepting of it. So again, all of those fall in the area of diversity. Um, I do work with women, but I also work with corporations on how to um, accept women into the fold. Um, there are many statistics that stipulate, you know, when you have um, more diversity in your leadership team, you have a higher profitability. So again, just helping them to actually do that. And speaking of that, recently, within the last year, the state of California, the governor actually, um, I'm not sure if it created a law, I'm not sure how he would implement the law, but stated that he wanted more women on board of directors um, just in that state alone. So hopefully that will be copied by the other states and carried over. But for right now, California is actually leading that. So what kind of things do we know about women in leadership and why, in fact, they're better for those corporate or um, board, board, board positions than otherwise, you know, in the past, like you said, you know, it was, it still is predominantly men. We, I know we're shifting also here in Canada. I inter interviewed one of my colleagues not too long ago and they're working really, really hard to create diversity um, of women in boards and it's, it's coming along. Um, so what kind of things, when, when you speak to, you know, corporations or C-suite um, executives that are looking at trying to kind of equalize or get more competitive in the workplace, what kind of things do you know that women bring to C-suite um, that you're able to share with us? Again, it kind of comes back to our talents. Women have been leading for years, honestly. Um, it is not something that's new. It's not a nuance. It's not any of that. It's just a matter of awareness and recognizing exactly what talents they have. Um, I was joking a little earlier when I said, you know, we can have the baby on our hip, be cooking dinner, uh, cleaning the kitchen, studying, um, being good to the husband, doing all of that, calling mom on the phone and handle it all before 8 p.m. Um, so we've been doing it for years. Um, the problem is not really recognizing how that translates into business. Um, there are a few women that are um, in executive leadership. Um, I believe the, what she's now the ex-president of Pepsi-Cola um, was, in, I believe her announcer name is Indra, um, but she just recently left. There are some other CEOs that are coming into play, but again, it's a slow process and helping them to recognize the talents. The number one thing that comes to mind is insight. Women are exceptional at insight, being able to kind of read things that are not practical, um, looking behind the scenes. Most times, unfortunately, um, in our recent election in 2016, it came up again of the conversation of, you know, well, we don't want her to get emotional and press the red button by accident, and what does that mean? So a lot of the negative things come out versus more of the positive, um, because traditionally, usually when men um, get ill, and I don't say all men, I just say some because I don't like to generalize, they usually break down and they're leaning on the woman in the home at the time, you know, to kind of keep it together. And then once they come back together, it's like, okay, now I'll just take it back on. But really paying attention to what it took to do that, um, how to be, you know, as I've heard in the past, the backbone at the time, you need a strong backbone or you're going to fall apart. But again, it's not really translated really well into the business world and, um, that's my area of focus of helping them to actually see the benefit. And really, the United States is behind the eight ball with this. Other countries are actually leading in this area because they're recognizing that it's a higher profitability having, you know, mixed gender leadership um, so that you can get it from all sides and then make what I would call an educated decision. 
For sure. And I think, you know, like you said, that intuitive gut, right, that women have is something. And again, I, I you know, I'm not, you know, like you, I'm not uh, stereotyping, but, you know, that that element, whether it's because of, you know, um, the roles we've played or the or the practice, like you're, you're talking about what happens before eight o'clock. And I think of what happened at my house before eight o'clock this morning. I'm thinking, was she check, she was she seeing into my world this morning? you know and you know we're, we're constantly juggling so that that concept of um, almost like what I call practice drill and rehearse you know you after a while you're able to you know to do it to to care for so many things and so so many moving uh, balls all at the same time that I can imagine that that intuitive gut along with that capacity to do multiple things um, you know that, that that brings such a, a gift to senior leadership I'm sure a lot of I'm going to say men and women listening or HR exec, you know, managers, directors, or um, are listening and they're wanting to maybe potentially think about what some, some things they could do um, right now, right? Whether they're women listening and thinking, you know, I want to be able to kind of continue to climb, but, you know, I've been, you know, I've been kind of um, diverted or the things I've tried haven't worked, Um what kind of things might, might they start to consider if they're, uh, you know, wanting to um, kind of move up the ranks in leadership in their organization? Well, one is, it's the first thing is to consider that there's another perspective to look at. A lot of times when you're feeling a certain way, that tends to monopolize your life. Um, if I don't feel well, I usually don't act well. Um, so you hear people say, I'm tired, and you can see it in how they respond to things. But um, accepting the idea that there is another way to look at this is probably the first thing that I would say. A lot of people who have done work with me um, have said, well, I didn't look at it that way, and I realize I do have what it is that I need to do. And to kind of go back to what you were just mentioning a second ago, if you take all of that, all of that insight, all of those things, and then add them to the degrees that they are now obtaining, again, that's just going to be massive to be able to take that forward and say, okay, now we can apply it here, there, and everywhere. Um, so the number one thing is, first of all, recognizing there's a new way to look at it. Second is maybe, you know, adopting the idea that we would need a coach, um, somebody to actually help me pick out those areas and work through those areas um, so that I can be the best that I want to be. Um, the third thing is, you know, um, in the area of talent management, I know for HR directors or people in HR, um, they're looking for the talent. Um, sometimes we really need to look at how a posting is listed for a job that they're actually listing. You know, certain words kind of get people's attention. You know, we need someone who's exemplary in this. And a, and a woman may think, well, I'm not exemplary. I'm okay. You know, so I'm not going to apply for that. Men and women apply for jobs totally different. Um, women look for, you know, I want to get 90% of what they're asking and then I'll apply. Men look at it totally different. Men will have 50% of it and still apply. And the concept is if I can just get in front of the person, I can convince them that I'm a good fit for this job. You know, so again, it's how we see it. You know, we're looking at it totally different. Um, and also for people who are working within corporations, you know, look at the areas of need. Um, if I need someone to kind of help with this, um, a particular client may have X, Y, and Z, and you don't have any executives that do that. We need someone to kind of mix it up a little bit and help us to see it from a different perspective. Um, so all of those things are kind of areas that you could start, you know, recognizing maybe I do list things 
the wrong way. I want somebody who's excellent in blah, blah, blah. You know, um, we all know that those job postings are wish lists. They really are. They're just wish lists. So if I can get that, that would be great. But if I can get close, I'd be good with that too. But that's not exactly, you know, said throughout the posting. And it puts people off about even um, applying for it. And guidance, right? Because I think of when I got my first um, corporate consulting job and I looked at the description, it, it blew me away. I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, and then I thought, okay, so how am I going to get there? And I, I worked with a coach. So luckily I was able to have somebody look at it. You know, it's that objective frame, right? When you have someone else look at what you've done and then pick out those transformations transferable skills or the positioning of, of how you write it, you know, into, you know, the letter or the, the, the resume, those types of things really made a difference. And, um, and that's, I'm going back probably back in 19, goodness, 1997. Um, and that, that helped me, propelled me into the corporate sector where I was able to enter into a bigger arena and gain the skills that I needed to kind of get where I wanted to get. But had I not gotten the right guidance, because there was nobody in my realm around me that was wanting the same things. I didn't have a colleague or a friend or somebody say that was ahead of me that could mentor me, which I, I often look for those people. And if I can't, then what I've ended up doing is going to coaching. So you're so right. And then we're so subjective sometimes when we look at ourselves, we don't see, you know, all those pebbles in the rough that somebody else like a coach uh, or a mentor can kind of pull out from us. Absolutely. Uh, and also considering, okay, what's the goal? You know, the other thing that needs to be considered is what's the plan here? Where am I trying to go? Um, back at 18, when I didn't know any better, you know, the goal was to finish school. Um, mm -hmm. What most people don't know about me is it took my son's entire life to finish my undergrad. So he was 17. I was graduating college, you know, and just happy to get there. We actually would have graduated the same year. But I slowed it down because I didn't want to steal his thunder. So I wanted him to graduate and have his time. And wow. then I graduated after him. Um, so, you know, it took time. But the plan had to be mapped out. This is the goal. And then after you meet that goal, then let's get to the next one. And without a plan, you're not going to be able to do much of anything. So, you know, part of what I do with women is helping them to map out what the plan is. Same thing with companies. What are we trying to do in year x you know how do we want to get there what's it going to take to do so planning is very very important to the process you know and i think of the strength it must have taken um to raise a child and to go to, to university wow that i mean complete share strength you know because i think of you know when my you know I, i've obviously gone to school quite young and those types of things and when i went back to grad school I was in school with a lot of parents and I could see the struggle. Like, I mean, how much they had to juggle and I, I didn't have the response and I was still under stress. So I could just imagine what it must, must have taken or when you talk to other women that are there that thinks, well, you know, I have to shut that door because now, you know, I have children or those types of things to be able to bring your frame must be quite powerful. But again, even to the point of what you speak on, which, which I love is resiliency. Women have always been resilient for years, um, but we just never really focused on what it took to actually get where we have gotten to. You know, so to really bring the focus back to, okay, it took this, it took that, you know, um, I never claim all the credit by myself because it was my foundation of my family that actually helped me to get there. Um, they modeled the behavior for me. This is what you do. 
um, and this is what it's going to take. And um, I give my mom credit in that area because she didn't finish school. And when she started school, I was 11 years old. Um, and uh, uh, the nighttime soap operas, and I'm aging myself a little bit, Dallas, Dynasty, Falcon Crest, all of that was on. And the very first um, one, I believe, was um, Flamingo Road. And it came on at 9 p.m. She would not get home till 9.30. It was my responsibility to tell her what happened the first 30 minutes, and then she'd catch up on the next 30 minutes. Um, but to see her, she graduated at 62. Wow. And to see her go through the whole process. Um, when she graduated, I had already had my, my undergrad. And I said, how does it feel to be on the stage? And she said, it feels really different because I'm used to celebrating your stuff. Um, but again, to see her do that from the age of 11 for me and to make it at 62 and graduate, again, just was modeled for me. So as you mentioned earlier, mentors, you know, coaches, people you needed, I didn't do this alone, um, but people helped point out, okay, you can do this well, let's try to incorporate this. And that's exactly what I help women to do. So how, how should women, um, or anyone for that matter, thinking, uh, I don't know how to go about choosing a mentor or coach. What kind, of, what kind of things do you think that they should be thinking about before they approach someone or even, you know, if they are able to, to hire someone, what kind of things should they be looking for? We definitely want to look for what the person is doing. Um, if it is exactly what you want to do, then that's, that's a good sign that we're headed in the right direction. Um, but a big piece that people miss is make sure that it's a good match between you and the individual. Um, rapport is everything. Um, so if you're talking with someone who does not relate, doesn't understand um, any of what you've gone through, but you admire what they're doing, it's probably not a good match. Um, so you want to find somebody who's a good match for you. You also want to find someone um, who is a good spokesman for you. Someone will speak of you when you're not in the room. That actually helps to sell you um, to the people that they're actually with so that they know, oh, well, let me keep an eye out for, you know, such and such, you know, who's coming up and um, a person that will be honest with you 100% um, about what's going on because sometimes we have to have the, the hard conversations um, to say, okay, you really need to fix this area or you need to consider X, Y, and Z. Um, and when you put those things together, you actually will probably have a good mentor. And you know, another thing that I, I've always done, Talisa, is I pick up the phone, right? Like if I see somebody and there was someone and I'm going to forget her name, um, and this was about two years ago, she was like, um, she at the time, I believe, was the head of NSA. <laughs> I thought, I'm going to pick up the phone. <laughs> And the National Speakers Association, people that don't know the, um, who that is. And I picked up the phone and she picked up the phone at the same time. I thought I was going to, and I'm going to forget her name. And she, I said, and I thought I was going to get her voicemail. And I left this message. You know, I was about to leave my message voice. <laughs> and she goes, hello. And I went, hello. And, I, and she spent half an hour on that telephone with me giving me advice about what it would take to get into the speaking world. And, you know, um, what I did is I just basically listened to everything she said and I did everything she said to do. And I was so grateful. And that's the one thing that I would share from my experiences. Don't afraid, don't be afraid if there's something you are someone that's doing what you want to do. And most of these people are gracious like this individual 
that spent half an hour. She didn't know me. I, I, I'm going to remember her name later. And at, at some point when I go to that con, that convention, I'm going to go up and tell her how she made a difference in my life because she spent a half an hour. So don't ever be shy about picking up the phone. I would tell you, and I'm sure Talisa probably has the same experience. Most people have an abundant mindset where they think, I can help you because I've been there. And I, I've been remiss to say that anybody that I've reached out to has never given me the time. I don't know if you would agree with that, Teresa. I would totally agree. Don't be afraid of anything. You know, everybody breathes like you do. They put on pants like you do. Pick up the phone and call. You know, the worst case scenario, you'll get voicemail like you were preparing for voicemail. So you already knew I'm going to get voicemail, you know. But the, the courage it took to pick up the phone. You know, um, and, and to some women, um, they feel like, you know, well, well, you guys have all that, cur that courage. I don't. I wouldn't believe that that to be true. You know, you have courage. I don't care if it's a lot, a little bit. It can be built upon. But the goal is, this is what I want to do. What, what are the next steps it's going to take to do? And if she said she couldn't talk to you, okay, well, at least I called. She's got your name now. You know, she'll, she'll call you, you know, and it kind of goes from there. But it's really just taking the first steps to say that I can actually do this and now let's start identifying what the steps are to move forward. And if someone doesn't call you back, don't let that stop you. Call someone else that's also doing it. And I find that uh, most people will give you the time. They'll tell you, you know, I've only got 10 minutes or whatever, which is respectful, but you can gain a lot in a 10 minute call. So Talisa, what I'm wondering is one last thing before we wrap up is when is it that you women or people thinking about kind of making a shift within their corporation, when is it that they should maybe be thinking about, look, the environment I'm in may not be able to afford where, what I'm trying to gain. When is it that people should kind of start to look at that? I would always say, first of all, you know, you mentioned earlier, Roxanne, about, you know, seeing the big picture. Um, so if we see the big picture, then we know, okay, this is where I want to go. The next thing behind that is looking at my environment. How is that going to be accepted? Because again, we were just talking about the fact that women are graduating college at high levels, but they're not moving there. But there are other parts of the world that are. And sometimes educating people and introducing different things to them also helps them to broaden their perspective on it. So don't think that because they're not in the same place you, you're in doesn't mean that it's a total no. It may mean I have to go around a different way. My analogy I'll use for that is my son was born at almost 12 pounds. And yes, he was 11 pounds, nine and a half ounces. So yeah, we, we kind of did the thing, <laughs> just, just did it all up. So, of course, he grew to be, his nickname when he was small was Baby Shaq because he towered over people, and it was just amazing. But right now, we're in the midst of the NBA Finals, and Toronto's in it, so you guys are excited up there. But again, it's how people got to where they are. So for him, we were looking at, you know, the typical way normally is high school, college, and then get selected for the NBA. But now, in 2019, there are so many different ways. You can high school, college, you can come out of college early, go into the NBA. You can play ball overseas. You can get redshirted and walk onto the team. There's so many different ways. Um, but if you think this is the only way, that's what stops you. So sometimes mm -hmm. it's a matter of educating people. For someone to just walk on to an NBA tryout, you know, you're thinking it's one in a million. 
but you could be that one that actually gets selected. But once they find out what skill sets, and this is where I'm coming back to the skill sets that you have, and they recognize this is what I want, then that opens the door and off we go. And you could be the first, you could be the Rosa Parks of something, You who knows? But we wanna take that step forward. And if we have to educate people, we'll educate them. But if you have marketable skills and things they want, it's not a question whether they'll take you or not. I like that because, you know, education today's, you know, the perception of it is shifting where the gone are the traditional steps. Now you could propel forward. And like you said, you could, you could be doing things that people have never done before. Well, Talisa, it's, this has been a pleasure. Uh, I know um, that, uh, you know, that concept of looking at skills and having conversations is the biggest part that I think I've gained today. What I'd like you to do is to tell people um, where they can get a hold of you if they'd you know, like to, to um, hire you for coaching or uh, looking at having you come out to speak or train um, any of their people in their organization. Well, you can always go to my website, which is talisabeasley.com. And let me spell it because sometimes people mess up a little bit. It's T-A-L-I-S-A, B as in baby, E-A-S-L-E-Y.com. Um, you can email me on there. I'm on social media. You can go on In the Beginning Consulting um, and find me on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Um, definitely reach out to me and we will see how to connect and start you moving forward. Awesome. So for everyone, uh, you know, words that I've taken away today is there is no door that you can't open. And if that one doesn't open, move on to another one. Uh, stay focused on that you are unique and you have the skills. Sometimes maybe you may not be able to do it or see it in yourself, but find someone else that if, you're, if your judgment might be a little bit cloudy, get a mentor or a coach to help you out. So if you're needing more information on me, uh, you can reach me at roxandurhodge.com. Uh, I do keynotes, uh, training, and coaching. So take care. Thanks a lot again to Lisa, and we'll chat with you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.